This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Stins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great today. It's such a beautiful day out. I hope everybody's enjoying it. Have you enjoyed the great weather? I have. We went out for lunch at work today and sat outside. Mm. And we took like a two-hour lunch. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Just to sit outside. My boss was like, I got a few things to do before we go back. If you guys are okay with sitting out here, like, Yes. Yes, of course. I stay here all day. Yeah. I'm a little worried that this is just like a little taste and then we're going to have like some crazy snowstorm and I, I'm not really wanting for that to happen. Like I'm slowly pulling out kind of like my winter, my summer clothes. So I'm like, let's mm-hmm. no more snow. I'm ready for warm weather and I'm ready for that vitamin d i've been missing yes. it i really want it me too do you have I any some sun yeah if people are watching the video they can see i'm super pale <laughs> well That's some sun. <laughs> nobody should come at you because we live in wisconsin so everybody's like that unless you're you know colored even with me, I feel like I'm a little pale, so we'll get Your it. Your paler than normal. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, do you have any news or are we going to just dive right in? Uh, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff going on. There was the there was a shooting. Nobody got shot, but somebody shot their gun off outside their house in Appleton this morning. And oh. then once inside the house. And then they were eventually taken into custody, but it was early. Like, what are you doing? Just on the porch shooting your gun off, like, in a quiet neighborhood at 7 o'clock in the morning or something. You know, Wisconsin is a very, like, gun-friendly place, but I feel like that's even too much for Wisconsin. Like, that's not, that's just, like, crazy. Yeah, I agree. That's a little much. We live in the city. You can't just shoot your gun off your porch. We're not in the country. Right. Not in the woods. No. That's so, yeah, I don't like that. And then those officers were killed this weekend. Did you see that? Mm -mm, No. There was two officers killed this weekend. One was from Cameron Police Department and one was from Shatek Police Department. It was in the same stop. They were called to do kind of a welfare check stop because the driver had been acting strangely Mm -hmm. and they stopped the vehicle and 
he started shooting and he shot and killed two officers. One of them was only 23 years old. Oh God, that's awful. Mm -hmm. Oh man. And like on our platform, we, we do talk about how, you know, police officers do, you know, sometimes they do a shoddy job or they do, um, not the best quality of work. Um, but they are also, you know, good police officers out there and they are, um, put in really serious and life-threatening situations. Um, and that is just, it's really sad because they're people too. They have families, they have homes. Yeah. And I don't think the majority of police are bad. I just think we have a duty to call out when we see people doing wrong, regardless of what their job title is. Yeah. To hold them accountable. But that doesn't mean that we hate them all. No, no. They're all still people. Yeah. So it was to tech police officer Emily Friedenbach. She was 32 and 23, 23-year-old Hunter Shield were shot and killed on April 8th. It was very sad. Yeah, that is really sad. Um, yeah. I do believe that there was a Kakana standoff um, not too oh, long yeah. ago. Um, I don't know the extent of everything, um, but... It was like, because I live near the area, so everybody was just like freaking out about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to see if I could find anything here. So yeah, it was in Kakana and it was on April 6th, so not too long ago, and it was at 3 a.m. Um, the police department was contacted because of a suspicious mail. Um, and then they learned that a 42-year-old man, man um, had a felony warrant for his arrest. Um, so while officers were communicating with the male suspect, the, the guy was becoming very uncooperative and ended up trying to flee the scene uh, in his vehicle. So mm-hmm. that was a whole standoff situation. Um and I believe he got onto Highway CE. Uh, so he got like a little bit of ways away. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just really crazy. And he, you know, refused to cooperate with the police, with the police commands. Um, so then they had to get the Outagamy County Emergency Response Team to help negotiate. So it was like a whole thing. And, like, mm-hmm. we were just talking about, like, early hours of the morning. Like, who has this type of energy? I don't know. And they didn't take him into custody until after 10 a.m. Yeah. Right. That was a long that time. Was a long time. I'd, I'd be like, I'm done after this. That's all my energy for today. I can't deal with anymore. Yeah. And it was right by the elementary school's. So, right yeah just chaos so, that's what i mean it's been chaos the last yeah. like week and i don't know it's nice outside right we're supposed to be can happy. we just like act right so that we can all enjoy you know this nice weather finally <laughs> right let's enjoy the sun stop shooting people yeah come on yeah 
Let's just be nice. Uh, so let's talk about not so nice things, shall we? How bad <laughs> is it going to be? <laughs> it's going to be sad and it's going to be a little bit horrendous. So I'm just going to mentally prepare you. I'm going to prepare our listeners. Um, but it is a really good case. I've never heard of it. I'm going to be surprised if you've heard of it too. So let's jump in. All right. I'm, I'm maybe ready. <laughs> okay, so I want to start off by asking you if you think that people, well, I guess so many people have asked me, um, knowing that I do this podcast with you, they ask, do you think that people are more good than evil based on what you cover? And I had to really give that some thought because I've been asked that a lot. I don't know if you have been asked that ever. Um so since getting into true crime, the true crime world, I have learned how twisted a human being can be. Um, and I used to say that I feel that there is more evil surrounding us than we think. But then I thought about the heroes that survive horrific things and come out on the other side um, more optimistic in life than before. So I'm just going to answer everybody's question right now on the air. Uh, in my opinion, in the world, it's like a yin-yang template. I think that there is good that also balances out evil. Um, otherwise, there wouldn't be one or the other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So going to preface that. So let's bring our attention to the village of Raymond um, in Racine County in 1990. So one day a farmer was walking his farm fields, checking on his grazing cows when he noticed that they were acting kind of funny. They were wanting to not be around a specific area while they were grazing. And then he walked over and he found big yellow contractor bags so he peeked inside and he found a really disturbing image in there. He saw an upper torso in one bag and in the lower, in the other one, there was a lower, lower torso. Um, I just think to myself, like if I open one bag and I saw that, I just, I wouldn't open the other one. Right. So no head, no upper extremities. It was just the torsos. Really strange, really, really disturbing. Strange. Yeah. So he called the local police department and they flood flooded the scene. And, you know, this is a really rural area. And when mm -hmm. I was thinking over uh, all the facts of this, they were like, we haven't had anything like this ever. Like, this is just so unheard of. So everybody was like, we got to we gotta figure out what's going on. Mm. So the remains were sent to Milwaukee County Medical Examiner, Dr. Jeffrey Jensen. And Dr. Jensen's first step was to determine who this victim was, or if this was even one victim, two victims. Like, what are we dealing with here? So it was later determined that it was one victim and it was a young male. On top of being dismembered, the individual's body showed disturbing signs of mutilation. So he was emasculated, most likely done post-mortem due to the no signs of hemorrhaging. 
And IDing the victim would be a very difficult task in this case, as there were no hands to fingerprint and there were no teeth for dental records. Hmm. Interesting. So investigators took it to the streets. They knocked on doors to see if anything was suspicious, if there had any missing people in the community or in the families. And a few people mentioned that there was something strange happening. And one particular household had multiple dogs go missing without them being old. And, you know, sometimes when you have an old dog, they tend to go die on their own. They'll like walk away from the house. And but that wasn't the case for this. Um, they were young dogs being, you know, just never coming back or never being seen again. And just out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. And then the rumor mill activated and churned out the typical story of one of the neighbors being weird and suspected suspected of conducting satanic rituals. Hmm. So in this church revolved town, the thought of devil worshipers was more than, you know, like it was just like obscene, which you right. know it is. But it was like worse than the plague. It's just like we don't want anything to do with them. Like that's just they're super weird. Um <laughs> so people speculated that the body parts were used in the ritual, and that's why the body parts were dismembered. Hmm. But it sounds like is, it was a cover-up to me. <laughs> right. When the thing is, when a crime like this is committed, people shout, it's an outsider, it's a devil worshiper, because it's really hard for people to come to terms with that it could be somebody that lives right next door. It could be fucked up neighbor Larry, you know? It's just... Mm -hmm. It's and usually fucked up neighbor Larry. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. So those neighbors that were pointing that were pointed out said, "Yeah, we have parties in the barn, but it only includes drinking and dancing, and you know maybe a little like grinding, but nothing illegal or satanic. Like we're you know we're normal. There's nothing going on here that shouldn't be you know that should be investigated." Yeah. So investigators were at a loss. <laughs> That's your only. You know, that's the only lead that you have is the satanic ritual people. All right. Mm -hmm. Um. So those neighbors were ruled out and there was no ID. So they were back to canvassing the neighborhood in which the body was found or the torso. Sorry. Luckily, the hero of this story is. um. Sorry, I hate that when I lose my spot. <laughs> um. <laughs> The hero of the story that helps propel this case is a local dog that is seen running through a main street with a human arm in its jaw. Oh, my God. So, bingo. Now there was a second location where, you know, human remains are being found, which widens the circumference of the crime scene. Another police dog found several body parts in that area as well and then a head was found in the drainage ditch which had made three different crime scenes so it's just getting bigger and bigger that's crazy 
This was a crime never seen before in Racine County. Now it was time to determine if this was all from one victim or separate victims, just because we don't know what we all have here. And it was determined that it still was one victim and it was from the original torso that was found. So then the phones were flooded with calls of people in the area that were concerned. And Dr. Jensen then found weird cuts on the victim's skin. They were like stab wounds over the midline portion of the back that went horizontally and vertically. Then hmm. a tattoo was discovered on the shoulder of the victim, and that tattoo was of the band The Grateful Dead, which kind of narrows it down, you know? Yeah. So parents that had a son with a Grateful Dead tattoo called in and provided dental records to the medical examiner, which confirmed the identity of the victim. Finally, thank goodness. And it was determined that it was 24-year-old James Michael Madden. So now the hunt for the killer was on after knowing who the victim was. Mm-hmm. So James was from Milwaukee, and he was a very nice door-to-door magazine salesman. And his girlfriend, Al Winkler, at the time said he would light up a room and would never get mad at anyone. He was just a very mild-mannered gentleman. Just nothing bad to say about him. So for three days, his girlfriend was looking and worrying for him since he didn't come home from work on June 27, 1990. And then one day she was watching the news and it was of the body parts found in Racine County. And she instantly had a good feeling that it was him. She just was like, it's been days. He hasn't come home. This isn't like him. He is responsible. He's dutiful. He always comes home. This is him. Right. Investigators contacted his employer, Citizens for Better Environment, to see what route he was scheduled for at the time around his murder. Meanwhile, while investigators were out in the field, the medical examiner kept digging and found an abrasion on the ankle of James' body. There were signs of hemorrhaging, meaning that it was done while he was alive. And this was this also gave insight on what was done. Um, and the medical examiner concluded that he might have been hung from his ankle somewhere. So it's just getting wow. more and more nitty gritty it's just getting worse unfortunately so this murder was definitely rage filled overkill was present the body was mutilated and dismembered so investigators thought the killer perhaps knew james Mm -hmm. investigators went to james's community to question people and a man was mentioned this man was brought up for a very specific reason he had a diorama in his home which is a display of miniature rooms and miniature people, um, which isn't weird, right? I mean, people have dioramas as adults, you know? Do they? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess, well, this guy did. And it, You're being so nice. You're like, yeah, people do that. I'm like, who are these people? Well, I think about it like, you know, people do claymations and like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's definitely a okay. thing. But you are right, though, because this was weird. The figurines were dismembered 
And guess what they had on them? They had blood on them. And the diorama was a gruesome display. And the investigators looked closely to see if there was any similarities. And apparently there were as far as dismemberment and such. Okay. However, the creator had no links or ties to James, and the diorama was done as an art project. So they ruled him out. As an art project for what? For <laughs> they didn't ask. <laughs> I don't know. Ask more questions. <laughs> the investigators went back to the drawing board and studied what the medical examiner discovered. They're like, all right. We need to go over every detail with the fine tooth comb. We need to figure out what we're missing here. So right. the left hand had a defect on the palm, which indicated a defensive wound. So James was able to fight his attacker off, at least for a little bit. James's yeah. skull was expirated and was determined that James was shot to death. So they had to look for a specific type of gun. So they're honing in on you know, different things on this case. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at the body as a whole. The skin on his palm seemed as if they were burned or like, like a road rash type of situation. Um, the, The genitals were removed. The heart was removed. The liver was removed. The adrenal glands were removed. The right kidney was removed and the skull was fragmented. So guess what? The brain was removed. Were they so, selling organs on the black market? Th- that's that's what they they sat down and they took accountability of all of this. They took an account. Why is this all removed? What does this all mean? And what's the motivation here? Is it insanity? Is it thrill? Is it hate? Is it compulsion? Is it, you know, sales of, you know, on the black market? And it's just, it just gets more convoluted the more that they go into this case. So investigators looked at known serial killers and went to see if there was any similar MOs. Another indicator was that the dismemberment was done professionally, which typically means that it's a butcher, a surgeon, somebody that knows what they're doing when it comes to taking apart a body. Right. The investigators, as mentioned before, looked into his sales route on the last day he was seen and went door to door as asking questions. The investigators got to the last house James visited on his route, which was the farm of 43-year-old Mr. Joachim Dressler, who was originally from Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. Investigators asked the routine questions. Did James come here? What time? Was there anything weird about him? Anything that they he could say to maybe help them you know go in the right direction Joaquin just replied nope nope never met him didn't talk to anybody I don't talk to people but investigators were like "Mm, this is weird Mm -hmm. so as they're you know talking to him they're noticing that he's acting really weird just kind of like fidgety just not really like giving right answers so as they drove away, they knew in their guts that something was up and that he may be hiding something. So let's look into Joaquin. He was married to Catherine Dressler and they had two children. 
He was an elevator repairman in Milwaukee. His employer later told investigators that there were empty bottles of vodka in the mechanical room where he worked out of. So apparently he would drink one to two bottles of vodka during an, his eight hour shift every day. So he was an oh. alcoholic. Just a little drink. Just a little drink. <laughs> the day's hard. <laughs> um, his neighbors also didn't have a lot of good things to say about him. He Imagine that. <laughs> they knew that Joaquin killed their dogs for, for a fact with no explanation. These neighbors also stated that he was spotted walking in the night in the woods, dancing among the trees. Typically, nice. I would, yeah, I was just about to say, typically I wouldn't raise my eyebrows at that. Like, I mean, who hasn't danced naked in the woods under the moonlight? <laughs> I know I have, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but knowing everything else about Joaquin, it was just another additional weird fact about him. Right. Just the totality of the things. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And as if it as it happened on the day that James never came home, Joaquin was home all day by himself. So he didn't have much of an alibi. He just stated, I don't talk to anybody. Nobody came here. I was here by myself. I got nothing to say. So not Pretty really. Weird. Yeah. The investigators then went on an extensive search of the dresser property. The basement had extreme amounts of porn, which was, you guessed it, <laughs> homosexual. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what they found. I wonder what it an extreme like, amount consists of. <laughs> Not imagining just, like, DVDs in the whole basement. Right, just stacks of, like, magazines and, you know, just to the wall. I mean, not to the wall, to the ceiling. Just, you can't see anything else but porn. Yeah. So... It was suspected he was living a lie and was mad about it. And that's why, you know, he had all of this homosexual porn. He also had a lot of snuff films, which for those of you that aren't familiar, which is totally fine because nobody should be really too familiar with this. But a snuff film is basically a, a film of a sexual film where somebody is getting murdered, fake murdered or raped and people get sexual gratification from it. Um, and you guess what else they found on the family farm where his wife and two children lived? In the garage was a hoist, which for Wisconsin people, people have hoists for working on cars or, you know, their heavy machinery, but yeah. that could also be used for other things. Mm-hmm. He used it to lift motors out of his cars or to hang a body from it in order to dismember a body. Yeah. And the kite that his young child was flying at the time that the investigators were conducting in the search was made out of the same material of the bags James was found in. The yellow bags were actually one only made um, or only manufactured in two places in the world, and they were used for fundraising. And the link between that um, was that Mrs. Dressler 
bought the yellow bags in order to support the local school fundraiser. So he had it in within his reach. Mm, very interesting. And in the basement, there was a tanning booth and above the door of it in black lettering read J dot Madden. So this person is not only an alcoholic, but is a dumbass. And guess what? This donkey brain man went out and told a neighbor of that he, yes, he did in fact murder James Madden and that the neighbor, of course, told the investigators, right, as soon as he said that, he's like, I gotta go make a phone call, so. Right. They had enough to arrest Joaquin Dressler and charge him with first-degree intentional homicide. What was his defense? Well, of course, it was an, an accidental death since they were in the back of the house shooting and his gun accidentally fired directly at the back of James's head. And the dismemberment? Well, he panicked and needed to get rid of the body quickly and didn't want to disturb his family. So that's why he did that. Right. I'm sure. The, pros the prosecution's case told a very different story. James had defensive wounds. So he also had ligature marks, stab wounds, mutilation, and was emasculated. That wasn't just, you know, a quick... I'm going to get rid of this body because I don't want to disturb my family. That was brutal. Yeah. What may have prompted all this, it is theorized that Joaquin was drunk and asked the door-to-door -door salesman if he wanted to participate in a sexual encounter. And when James refused, it enraged Joaquin and then he snapped. So he took out all of his self-hatred and things he had watched in his snuff films all out on James Madden. Joaquin's own wife decided to testify during her husband's trial, which is never good for a husband. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> she knows some things. You know she knows some things. She knows all the things. And you probably pissed her off a million times leaving your dirty socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. And this is the last straw. I mean, this this should be the last straw. That definitely should be the last straw, yeah. <laughs> Dismembering people at home. At home. Where your kids might stumble upon it. It's definitely a and problem. And all the porn. Like, all the porn. Come on. She had to have known that there was an extreme amount of porn, though. Right. Right. And that, like, they were a very specific type of porn. Yeah. So she testified that she knew that he kept homosexual porn, uh, porn and pictures of mutilated bodies in his briefcase. Oh. And if that wasn't enough, the prosecution had a bombshell witness. We love a bombshell witness. We need a bombshell And the witness was Keith Erickson, um and apparently he had a very similar experience with Joaquin so Keith went over to the dresser farm in an interest to purchase a vehicle they were both shooting guns in the backyard as you do you know for fun in Wisconsin nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. and Joaquin and Keith ended up having sex and at one point Joaquin showed him the hoist in the garage um Keith looked back on this experience and was just utterly shocked and just um just couldn't believe that he left with 
you know, his life. Yeah. And that's why the prosecution said, you know, James probably said no. And that set him off. And, you know, he didn't like that rejection. So then he just went ballistic on him. Right. But then something happened that almost threw a wrench in the case. The Milwaukee PD then arrested, guess who? Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh. So, yes, there are so many sick fucks out there that overlap that it's it's just wild. It is. And what's his MO? Young, attractive men whom which he murdered and dismembered in the Milwaukee area. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Jensen is now thrown in the ringer. He is examining this case with a fine-tooth comb and now assigned to the Dahmer case as well. None of the Dahmer case facts were introduced in the trial, which would have just confused the jury. Yeah. Dr. Jensen took his job very seriously, and he did not want to lean one way or the other just to close the case. So he was like, I need to be very certain that this is the guy that we need to nail. He look at, looked at the evidence in front of him and determined that the different methods of dismemberment and the different injuries made the cases unrelated. So he ruled Jeffrey out. He was not one of Jeffrey's victims. Mm-hmm. The jury found him guilty of first degree intentional homicide armed with a dangerous weapon, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Joaquin was appeal has appealed his sentence and was denied on October 15, 2019. And James Michael Madden lost his life at the hands of a demented and disturbed man who, in my opinion, had an internal war going on due to his true sexuality. Right. James Madden did nothing wrong. He was a kind-hearted man and didn't deserve any of it. And I am just, I'm heartbroken that a as many cases that we've covered, uh, a wonderful person dies at the hands of a really disturbed, awful person. Yeah. You know, those magazine sales jobs were a cover for a lot of um trafficking too so at first I thought that might be the way you were gonna go with this yeah Uh so it's crazy yeah they were trafficking teenagers and young young adults through the magazine sale businesses that is that makes sense now that you say that that's Mm -hmm. awful yeah oh man well, that Can you just imagine you just have these young people are just out here by themselves knocking on people's doors. Can you imagine doing that in like the 2020s? Right, right. Yeah. No. We just thought that was normal, just knocking on doors, trying to like clean people's carpets or uh, selling magazines or right. people used to sell like knives door to door. Yeah. <laughs> That was definitely, and people made a living off of it. So it definitely wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. And it's, oh man, the, the way that we used Very. to trust people. <laughs> yeah, why did we trust people? There's like serial killers everywhere too. You don't really, right. uh, there's not a lot of serial killers right now that I know of. Right. But back then there was a million serial killers and we were still just like knocking on doors. Like, hi, can I come in and talk to you? No, go home. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would have never, 
I, I'm a very small person and it would have, it doesn't take much to subdue me. So I would have never picked that line of work. No. There's no way. <laughs> I don't like random people enough to be like knocking on their doors. I'd be like, do you want this shit or not? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to buy this shit or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want this magazine? <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> right. Well, that was the story of James Michael Madden. The end. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. What do you got? All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.